It's HPR, All Things Considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence, wrapping up our third annual New Year's special. Sharing highlights from the year, we shifted from off the road. And now you can find all those interviews and more at hawaiipublicradio.org slash roadstories. There's no question one of those highlights, too, was in April when we welcomed back Smokey Robinson, who took us through music history. You have an incredible story of how you founded the Miracles. Share a little bit of that with folks. Well, actually, man, when I first met one of the guys who was always in the group, Ron White, we called ourselves the Five Chimes at first. We started singing when I was 11 years old. I met him. We lived in the same neighborhood, and he introduced me to Pete Moore, who was the other guy who was always there, who became one of the Miracles. And then we were singing with two other guys, and we called ourselves the Five Chimes. This was like an elementary school. Wow. And then in junior high school, we changed our name to the Matadors. <laughs> and then when we graduated from junior high school and started going to high school, two of the guys quit the group, and we've got two other guys. And we won a bunch of talent contests and stuff like that around Detroit. And then one of the guys quit, and his sister took his place. And I had written these songs, and we got a chance to audition for Jackie Wilson's managers. And Jackie Wilson was my number one singing idol at the time. And we went there and sang some songs for them, and they didn't like us because we had a girl in the group, and I sang high, and they thought we were too much like the platters. <laughs> but it just so happens, man, I tell everybody it was a God day. It was a God day day because that was when Barry Gordy happened to be there that day because he had come. He was just a songwriter at that point. He was just writing songs for Jackie Wilson. And he had some new songs for Jackie Wilson. He just happened to be there that day and liked a couple of my songs that we sang. He came out and said he liked them, but started to manage us and so on. About a year and a half after that, he started Motown, man. Do you remember the song, what song it was that impressed him? Uh, there was one song called My Mama Done Told Me. And it turned out to be the flip side of our very first record at all, a song called Got a Job, in answer to the silhouettes, Get a Job. So, yeah, man, so I remember and Barry Gordy, Motown. Motown was, was Barry's dream. It was his baby. I was the one who asked him to go national because he got tired. He was, like I said, he was a, a young songwriter and producer in, in Detroit, producing records on Jackie Wilson and writing songs and all that stuff. And nobody was really paying him, man. So he got tired of that. You know? <laughs> so he wanted to start his own record company, which he did. And the Miracles and I were the first group that he had on his record label because I knew him before he started it. And then still, it was kind of like the same thing. We had records going out, and they were all hits, man, and we couldn't handle them. So I was the one who told him to just go national. And he did, and it was huge. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it wasn't long after we cruised with Smokey Robinson that Tower of Power returned, along with master storyteller Emilio Castillo, taking us for a ride with the Rolling Stones. Bill Graham uh, really wanted us to play with the Stones. Bill was in charge of their tours for several years. Right. And he contacted me and sent me out to all these different places where they were. He told me, you're just going to hang out. And when they see you, it's going to be their idea to ask you to sit in. <laughs> he said, I can't tell them. It's got to be their idea. Wow. Like, okay, so I'm at a hotel in L.A. and a hotel in San Diego. And then they come to San Francisco and he puts me up at the Fairmont. And they're not saying a word to me. <laughs> Finally, uh, they're playing at Candlestick Park. We go. 
Bill says, don't you get it? <laughs> I want them to play with you. The great horn section. And Mick Jagger goes, oh. Because I remember there was one incident in Denver. He had the idea. There was a, what they call a hospitality suite at the hotel for the Stones. And he tells us, meet me at the hospitality suite. Mick Jagger is going to be there. And we go. And he's listening to Prince. This is when Prince first came out. And not a lot of people knew about him. But we knew about him because... Prince did his first record across the hall from us, Sausalito at the record plant. So I would go in, I remember Mick going, it's Prince, do you know Prince? <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah, yeah, I know. So because Mick said something to me and I responded and we seemed like we were talking, Bill, <laughs> in his uh, promoter mind, says, um, you know, they have their horns down in the van. And he tells the chairman, go get the horns. <laughs> While Mick is standing right there? Yeah. And I'm thinking, go get the horn. What are we going to do? We're going to play horns with Mick Jagger standing here? So anyway, Mick just kind of turns around and he does the moonwalk backwards out of the room. And we didn't see him anymore. And Bill comes to me and he goes, uh, ah, I I blew it. He goes, man, I shouldn't have done that. I go, what? He goes, that whole thing with the horns. He goes, he's gone. That's it. It's over. And that's when he told me, I'm going to send you to these hotels. You just hang out. But when we got to San Francisco, finally he tells uh, Mick, don't you get it? I'm trying to get him to sit in. And Mick goes, oh, yeah, great. We'll do it. And so we're supposed to play Satisfaction that day. And we're going to do the Otis Redding horn parts. You know, and Keith Richards wasn't feeling good. He got there late. He walks in. He sees the horns. He goes, what's this? <laughs> and Mick goes, oh, tell our horns. They're going to sit in. He's, not today. <laughs> and they cancel us. And I split. I'm done. I've already hung out at four different hotels. <laughs> and I go back. I'm at my father-in-law's. I fall asleep. And he wakes me up the next day. He says, aren't you going to the Coliseum? I go, no, I'm, I'm done with that. And he goes, uh, no, I think you should go. So I get a cab and I go. When the cab pulls up, Bill Graham is out there going, get in here. Get in here. They're rehearsing. <laughs> And I go into this trailer, and Keith Richards is sitting there, and he goes, uh, we're doing Satisfaction, the Otis Redding version. Do you know it? (laughs) I go, yes. So (laughs) So they get out there, they do their set. They have a riser set up for us with five microphones, and we're waiting behind this scrim. They finish their set, and they come back behind the scrim waiting for the encore. That's when we're all going to go out and play together. And Keith Richards passes out on our riser. He's on our right, laying down. And Bill Graham is on top of him, and he's massaging his chest, punching him in the chest, and he's giving him mouth to mouth. And we're like, he's going to die now, really? You know? and, and then all of a sudden, this guy shows up with this black bag. And he shows up and shoots Keith up with something, man. And Keith Richards jumps in the air and he goes, Let's rock! Oh, you got to be <laughs> kidding me. The scrim goes up and the riser's pushed out and we're ba ba you know. And then uh, <laughs> we get to the end, to the ride-out. When you're doing a ride-out and you have horns and it really gets exciting towards the end of the ride-out, the trumpet player takes it up an octave. Right. So we had Mick Gillette, killer trumpet player. So he goes up an octave, ba ba and he's turning red and because it's so exciting it sounds so good Mick Jagger keeps on doing it so Mick Gillette's about to pass out but he's making every note and finally he ends it and he jumps in the air he goes top our horns 
it was unbelievable. Really something. I'll never forget it. One thing we'll never forget for sure, getting to talk to our next guest, an interview we recorded earlier this month just after his 74th birthday with Ozzy Osbourne as the legendary rocker has two back-to-back number one hits from his new Patient Number no. 9 album. We're airing the interview with Ozzy in January, but we've got a little preview right now, and since it is the holiday time, comes with a bit of partying, we've got some thoughts on both from Ozzy. In, in, in England, for instance, Christmas, if you don't drink, you're f- boring. <laughs> Everyone gets hammered in England. <laughs> And that wouldn't be a surprise for you or something unfamiliar. When I just said to you, I don't know how bad it's 74. I was the f***ing ringleader of all that shit. I know. I know you were. But you know what? I find it... Life isn't so bad being straight, you know. Are you sober now? Yeah. Well, I'm nearly sober. (laughs) I use a little little bit of marijuana. That's... Nothing compared to what I used to. Right. I don't do uh, nothing anywhere near I used to. I used to be doing powders and all kinds of shit. Yeah, you were a wild man, without question. <laughs> my, my drinking yesterday are in history books. <laughs> and among the stories the Black Sabbath legend shares are details of Ozzy's multiple wedding ceremonies to wife and manager Sharon, including some honoring her Jewish heritage And as we wrap it up today, I'm betting this next song may have even been played at one of those, just a guess. But in October, when the great Herb Alpert returned, he offered up this tasty musical performance from Fiddler on the Roof, If I Were a Rich Man, final offering in our third annual New Year's special here on the show, as I wish you and yours a happy and healthy New Year. I'm Dave Lawrence. I'm <laughs> sorry.